Good morning, church. So good to be with you all this morning and just delighted to be here with you all. I know that for once I am excited because we are getting cooler weather and uh, it always brings some excitement to my heart uh, with uh, not just the cooler weather but more things that we can do outside and activities and things for the kids. So that's, that's real neat. That's really good. So I'm excited to be with you all. I know that it's just a few of us here this morning. There's a couple of us missing, but uh, let's pray as we dig deep into the Word of God this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we are just praising you and we are thanking you this morning that we get to be here in this place. And Lord, as we are talking about you this morning, we pray that the words that I may speak this morning may be words of life, and that for a moment, as we contemplate these words, may they bring hope to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are currently going through a series called Psalms for the Summer, and today is our last time in the book of Psalms. This is the end of our series, and as summer is slowly winding down. And so, we pray that just because we are ending our Psalms for the Summer series today, it doesn't mean that our personal study of the Psalms ends here as well. For we are... um, I, I would like for us to immerse ourselves into the Psalms and because, you know, the Psalms, they're designed to enrich us for a lifetime. They are teaching us continually. And so wherever we are this morning and wherever God is in, with us and whatever we are experiencing through this season, whether it's grief, suffering, or confusion, or lament, frustration, doubt, uh, or longing, or adoration, or praise, whatever we are feeling this morning, whatever season of life that we are experiencing, the Psalms are built like an armor to protect us so that when we are experiencing the storms of life, we can find comfort. Because You know, the reality is that we are all going to experience storms in life. It's not a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. It's not how, right? It's when. For that reason, we as followers of Jesus are to be well versed in the Psalms for that, so that when those moments and those storms of life hit us, we can be ready and we know where to go. So my hope is this morning that this series has been a blessing to your life and that as we are journeying towards Jesus, we can all come together and hone in into the goodness and the vastness of His grace. So here's just a short recap of the things that we have seen over these couple of weeks. Uh, We started with Psalms number 1. Psalms 1 is a psalm that is a psalm of wisdom that basically started stating how how there are two ways of being human. 
There is the way that leads towards suffering, and there's the way that leads towards life. There is the way that lives towards death, and there is a life that leads, that leads towards life. And so we ultimately choose which path in life we want to live. But how do we do that? How do we navigate the crazy waters of this world? And there's so many things that are going through our life. How do we deal and how do we juggle those things? How do we balance those things? Simply, the psalmist says, through meditating. Meditating on God's words, which when we are feeling distant and we are feeling far away, the psalms hone us back to God. They bring us back to God. They connect us back to God. And so when we are connected to God and the Psalms become part of us, our very being, we connect with God. And so that's how we reach a flourishing life. But then the next Psalm that we saw was Psalms 8, which was talking about how God is the creator of all things. And we saw the majesty and the grandeur of God. God is the omnipotent God, but he's not just an, an all-powerful God, but he is a God who likes relationships. He is a God who is interested in you and me on an intimate level. So he's not just a God who created beautiful things, but he is also a God who is interested in us individually. And then the psalm that we saw just a couple of weeks ago was Psalm 23, in which we saw that the psalm is mostly applied to us as the sheep and God as the shepherd. But in, in a more theological, deep uh, application, we see that really the lamb that is mentioned there in Psalm 23 is none other than Jesus the lamb, the paschal lamb. Because you see, Psalms 23 is squished right in the middle of Psalms 22 and Psalms 24. Psalms 22 being the psalm of the cross and Psalm 24 being the psalm of the crown. And right in the middle is the psalm of the lamb. And so now, today we turn to Psalm 46. In Psalms 46, has been distinguished as Luther's psalm. And it has become this, this anthem of great song, of great joy, of triumph. And because uh, Luther used to use this psalm as a, a... He used to be accustomed to singing this psalm in times of trouble. He paraphrased this psalm and made it into a hymn. You might be familiar with this hymn. This hymn, as we know it, is a mighty fortress. The psalm is a glorious hymn that talks about the grandeur and the majesty of God. And as we take a closer look this morning, I invite you to go with me to Psalm chapter 46. Psalms chapter 46. And we take a closer look and we see that this psalm falls within three stanzas, practically all equal in length, ending with the marker Salah. Interestingly enough, just as we saw in Psalms 23, which was a trilogy, 
that included Psalms 22, Psalms 23, and Psalms 24, Psalms 46 offers us the same trilogy as well. For you see, Psalms 46, Psalms 47, and Psalms 48 are all closely related in thought and probably share the same background. But for this morning, we are exclusively looking at Psalms 46. It's the hymn for God's people whenever they're facing moments of distress, whenever they're facing moments of trouble. So go with me to Psalms 46. And the psalm opens with, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He is our refuge. He's our refuge. Another word for refuge is shelter. Imagine, imagine uh, being without a home, being without a roof, being with somewhere where you can protect yourself. Literally, a refuge and strength. God himself is a refuge and strength. It says, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. We will not fear. Even though the earth be removed. What is the psalmist, the, the people that wrote this psalm, the sons of Korah, what are they talking about? Even when our whole world around us seems to fall apart, we can trust in God's help and we don't need to fear. That's what the sons of Korah are talking to us about. And I know that you've been there. I know that you've been there because I've been there. Those moments when we have fear, those moments when we feel like we are facing disappointment, those moments when we are fearing failure, those moments when we all experience that deep fear, maybe of loneliness. We don't want to be alone. Or maybe that one job that we work so hard it feels like all our energy and all our time and everything that was invested in that moment is all crumbling down into pieces. It was all for nothing. Or maybe we are experiencing problems within our family. We are having relationship problems. Maybe we are experiencing calamity that is knocking down onto our door because of all these family relationships and family dynamics that are knocking through our doors. So what is the psalmist saying to us? He's saying that even though you feel your whole world is, seems to be falling apart, you can trust in God. God is there with you. He is not far away. He is there with you. But the psalm continues and he says, oh, And though through the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with a swelling. Did you notice the first three verses? They, they contribute the first stanza, which portray the security of God's people, even when the foundations of the very earth are being shaken 
to the core. We should not fear. Why? Because we can trust that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. We see here a contrasting parallel, a contrasting part that is happening in this psalm from a cataclysmic nature. You see all of these uh, different natural Disaster, mountains falling, the sea, waters roaring, foaming, mountains quaking and surging. And we see that this cataclysmic nature, the psalm shifts in verse 4 to a beautiful figure of God's protection and a state of calmness and serenity and security. So first, we have peace in the city of God. Verse 4 says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be removed. The second stanza, which covers verses 4 through 7, as they depict the peace of the city of God, while all in the outside of her walls are in a state of uproar uproar and chaos and unrest. Did you catch that? Very interestingly enough, as the first picture, the first imagery in the first stanza is showing us a picture of chaos of the mountains falling apart, of disaster coming and calamity coming upon us. But then the the psalmist shifts in the second stanza and then we see the city of God, the peace of God's city. And why does the city enjoy divine protection? Because God is in it. Let me tell you, the only thing that's going to make a difference in our life is if God is part of it. Nothing else will make a difference in our world. When we are facing calamity in our own lives, when we literally feel like the earth is falling upon our feet, when we literally feel like our world is coming down, the only thing that brings protection, the only thing that brings calmness, peace, fullness, shalom, is that God is in it. If God is in it, everything, all the noise, everything that is around us comes to a halt. And Jesus brings hope, peace, tranquility, and security. So all all outside of the walls in Jerusalem, this holy city, we see that there is chaos and unrest. But inside of the city, there is peace. There is tranquility. And look with me here, verse 4. It says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. The streams here mentioned in verse 4, probably picturing canals leading into the river of the warden gardens and dwellings. They illustrate to us how God's protection is dispensed freely. God's protection is dispensed freely. Through innumerable channels. God doesn't say to us, I'm going to give you peace, but I'm just going to give you a limited amount of peace. 
I'm going to bring unlimited, dispense freely, innumerable channels of peace. A city well supplied with water is the picture that the poets and the prophets present to us of the Jerusalem that might have been. It echoes the image taken from the Garden of Eden. It also echoes to us the new Jerusalem that is mentioned in Revelation chapter 22, verse 1, where it says, And it will have in its streams a living water, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the Lamb. You see, Cities, cities back then, they could be sieged. They could be overtaken. But if the water, if the city had a water source, if the city had food, those people could be outside of the city all that they could want, but the city would not fall. What was the only way in which you could overthrow a city if you took away the water supply? They would, they would basically die in there, inside the city, and then you could overturn the city. But see, this imagery that is being portrayed here is of a city that is flowing with water, streams of water, peace, serenity, security, and it's all coming from the throne of God, the Lamb of God. That's why verse 7 concludes with, the Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Whatever we are experiencing outside of these walls, it does not matter because God is with us. For you see, our strength does not lie within ourselves. Our strength does not lie in our positional power. Our strength does not lie in our money, how much money we have in the bank. Our strength does not... Uh, rely on the alliances that we make, but our strength comes from God. That is there the secret of the Christian. What brings comfort and strength to us is that we know that God is with us and that He is our refuge. That is what brings us hope to keep going on one more day. Whenever we don't have any more strength, when, all, when we feel powerless, when we are physically weak and we're like, I have to get up again to, di- to do this all over again. What keeps me going, what wakes me out of bed, what allows me to continue in my journey following Jesus is as I'm facing all of these trials, all these calamities, all this uncertainty in my life is that I know that God is there with me. I remember about a year and a half ago, I was moving from Michigan to Texas. And I remember that as we were coming down, I didn't have much uh, stuff in, in, in our trailer. And my dad was helping me move, and he was carrying a truck. And in his truck, I had a lot of my uh, belongings there. And I can remember that we had a, a mattress in top of the truck. 
And we were just moving, and we tried to protect it. We tried to put plastic on it and stuff. But as we were driving away, most of the plastic uh, moved out and was uh, left without the plastic there. And so I can remember as we are leaving the state of Illinois, and we are crossing the Mississippi River, we are the next city that's there in Missouri is St. Louis, this big city. And I remember that I saw some clouds rolling in, and I was just thinking to myself, oh no, there goes all my stuff. And sure enough, as we were in the highway, Route 44, I'm sure that most of you are all familiar with, with Highway 44, as we were heading, uh, coming down, we got hit by this huge storm, and there was nowhere where to go. And all my stuff were exposed to, to the weather. And the only thing, uh, and the, actually what made things worse, was that both my dad and I were separated through the traffic and through everything. So he went one way, I went the other way. And, uh, and so we were trying to call each other and, you know, where are you at, what's going on, and what's happening. And in um, that moment, I said, you know, just... You know, do your best. You know, whatever whatever is left and whatever we can do, it, you know, it's, it'll be fine. Because you know that after your mattress gets wet or something happens, it's basically no good. You know, it'll, it'll create, you know, the, the, even if, it's, if it comes dry, you know, it'll create some fungus and, and things like that. So it's basically a total loss. And so what he did was he hid in an overpass. You know, and he was just hiding there and trying to protect it. And as much as he could, he went and he uh, went into a gas station and just hid there as the weather was thundering. And we were actually in a tornado warning there. And it was just so, it was so bad. But I was just thinking about this. You know, God is our refuge and our strength. More than an overpass, more than a bridge, more than a gas station roof. God is putting us, He's putting His Word right there and He's telling us, I am going to be there with you. I'm going to be your shelter. I'm going to protect you. More, more than a, 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 a skimpy roof on, on, on a gas station in downtown St. Louis, it can only protect so much, but God protects us in all ways. And I think Tim Keller puts it just in the right perspective. He says, putting our faith in Christ is not about trying harder. It's not about trying harder. It means transferring our trust away from ourselves and resting in Him. It's not about trying harder. It means transferring our trust away from ourselves and resting in Him. So I don't know. First, we get the peace of city, the peace in the city of God. And now we get the peace on earth. Verses 8 says, Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations on, of the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear. And two, he burns the chariot in fire. 
This is the final, the final and the third stanza that covers verses 8 through 11. And it shows us that God's power manifested in His dominion over the mighty movements of the nations and the elegance of His serene exaltation above all. God is supreme. God reigns over all the nations. The psalm creates this striking contrast by stating that God makes all wars cease and extends peace from the city to the ends of the earth. Because you know, the ultimate objective in God's kingdom is to bring peace. The foundation of God's kingdom is peace. He reigns from a moment of, from a, from a, he reigns from a, a posture of peace. He doesn't reign with violence, with war. He reigns with peace. And the ultimate objection, the ultimate ob- objective is to bring fullness and peace. That's the reason why verse 8 says, Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. What is it saying here in the psalm? The real meaning in the psalm is, as you see, not just the first stanza that is God's city, which is a, a, a city of peace, but now that peace is being transferred to the earth. And then, and so then the psalm says in verse 10, be still, literally, let go. Etymologically, it means relax. One's grip, one's grip on something. Relax. This is, let go. God himself is speaking here. You see, in the first clause of the verse, the speaker changes, and it's God Himself who is speaking here. We can paraphrase it by saying, Hush, cease your loud noise, and realize that I am God. If you would just take a moment to quiet down the noise, if you would just take a moment, you're so busy, you're such in a hurry in your life, you're just in your little kingdom of your little world. If you could just for a moment realize that I am God, that I am vastness, and just get a little bit over your head and just realize that I am God and you would see that I am God, then you would see the greatness and the wonder of God. Because we often talk too much and listen little. We lack Christian poise and steadiness because we live ceaseless lives. We live lives of busyness. This reminds me of Jesus. Where we, he was often seen going to the Eremos, which is the wilderness, the isolated place. At the critical junctures of his life, Jesus spent time in the wilderness in an isolated place. Spent time in contemplation. Spent time with His Father. I wonder if we too, when we are facing crises, when we are facing difficulty times, if we, like Jesus, also 
spend time in the Eremos, if we also spend time in contemplation and cease from our busyness and contemplate God. That's why the, the psalmist says, and know that I am God. What does that mean? To become more acquainted with God. If you, if you don't experience God, if you don't become acquainted with God, how are you going to know God? And how do we become more acquainted with God? By, our, by observing the acts of God. If we just take a moment to pause in our lives and to realize that God is there with us and we see these great acts of wonders or these little acts of wonders, we would realize really quickly, just as Annette has mentioned this morning, just something so tiny, or even Alicia has mentioned, God is there with us in, in the little things and in the big things. John Mark Comer puts it this way, the solution to an over-busy life is not more time. It is to slow down and to simplify our lives around what really matters. We all get 24 hours a day. The solution is not more time. The solution is to simplify our lives around what truly and really matters. So what matters this morning? What matters this morning for us? Because you see, as I contemplate Psalms 46, this psalm is not just an ancient psalm that's tucked away into the annals of history. This is not just a musical song of victory for the songs, for the sons of God who are facing adversity. But this psalm has real implications for us as modern Christians trying to navigate a chaotic world. What Psalm 46 teaches us is that we can trust in God in difficult times in the midst of our turmoil. Whatever that may be, if we're struggling through health, if we're struggling through family dynamics, if our home seems to be broken, if we are struggling with a son or a daughter who is away from God and does not want to know anything about Jesus. These are real, tangible moments. These are real realities that you and me live each and every day. And even through the midst of all of, of, all of our turmoils, even through the heaviness that we are carrying this morning, we can trust in God because He will provide the peace into the whole city, into the whole world, into the whole earth. And the phrase that keeps repeating over and over is, God is our refuge. Did you notice that? Through the psalm, the, the phrase that keeps being repeated over and over is, God is our refuge. And if God is our refuge, then that comes with peace and security and hope for us. For you see, this psalm is not only for the here and now, but this psalm carries forth eschatological, meaning in-time implications. Because you see, this home, this city, this wasteland of a world is not our home. This is not our home. We are citizens 
of heaven. Our home is in heaven. And the scatological implication is that one day soon, Jesus will come. King Jesus will come and rule over the whole earth and bring all of this noise and all these wars and all these devastation to an end. And his reign will reign with peace over all the world. But how does this apply to my life? Well, the invitation for this morning is to trust in God continually and faithfully and to believe that he is true believe that he is true because we can say we trust in God but do we believe it do we experience it when those moments are hitting us hard when we are away from here and we're at home and we're desperate and we're stressed how do we react to those moments do we rest in God and trusting in in God that he has and relying everything to him and our lives to him and, and with trust grows experience. And our trust keeps bolded up. So what, what is God inviting us to do this morning? What is God is, is inviting us to do this morning? It's not just to trust, but to believe. And if we believe, then we can rest completely in His harm because He got this. I don't know how He's going to do it. But he's got it. That's the reason why Psalms 46 ends with a universal extension of divine peace to all the earth. And remember I told you that Psalms 47 is an extension of Psalms 46? Psalms 47 starts inviting us all to acknowledge that God is the universal king and his kingship as the foundation of the peace and victory and if we here that are here this morning we trust him then we too will shout just as it is said in psalms 47 all clap your hands all you people shout to god with the voice of triumph for the lord most high is awesome He is great. He is the great king over all the earth. May we stand as we sing our last song. Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so happy this morning that we got to spend some time with you. And Lord, we pray, I pray, that each person that's here may we be strengthened by knowing that you are with us. May we experience this trust that you talk about. May we believe it and may we rest knowing that you are with us as we are journeying through this world to know that you are always with us through the highs and through the lows of life that we should not fear For you are our refuge and our strength. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.